We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Shevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. I am your host, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. You can find us on just about all socials, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Just posted our folks first TikTok in a little while last night. Uh, Biggs is big, put back dunk. So be sure to follow us there as well. Um, as you guys probably know, as my co-hosts have said, it's my first time back in a little while. Um, one week since the the birth of our son. And I just want to give a really quick thank you to all of you who reached out um, with some very kind words and what wishes. Um, it was very, very appreciated appreciated by both myself and my wife. Uh, we are very fortunate, very blessed. And um, that was just reiterated with all of you reaching out with well wishes. I also want to give a big shout out to my guys, uh, my co-host over at The Uncontested who held it down for me while I've been gone uh, and will continue to <laughs> as we adjust my adjust to uh, parenthood. I'm very grateful for them. You know, it, it's a, uh, we just kind of started this thing, you know, however many years back now, almost four seasons ago, um, out of our love for the thunder, just getting to talk basketball with friends and uh, what, what that's turned into uh, from a podcast standpoint, we've talked about, you know, it is really special, but even more so than that, um, the relationships, relationships that we've made, um, Having listeners like you all uh, reach out to to me um, and, and just these guys uh, that I get to do this with is very very special. Uh, so I just want to give everybody a shout out and a big thank you. Very grateful, but also very thankful to be doing this and to be back on a post game for you guys. Might be a little shorter one tonight, just uh, because you know, baby. But <laughs> very excited to talk some hoops and some OKC basketball with you all. So uh, as I mentioned. Thunder played on the second of a back-to-back tonight. Uh, tonight was, uh, both games were at home, which is nice. <laughs> Feels like oftentimes on uh, back-to-back games, they're they're often on the road. So it was nice that the Thunder got one at home. Um, they ended up losing this one 134 to 116, although for the first like two and a half quarters, it was quite a bit closer than that, as we'll get into. Uh, but an absolute shootout on both ends of the floor, especially for the red-hot uh, Hornets, who just seemed like they could not miss. Pretty crazy. Obviously, the Thunder were with, still without Lou, Giddy, Ty Jerome, Kenrich, Muskie, uh, Wiggins, JRE, 
I'm probably missing some other ones in there. Uh, just cannot, not really stay healthy. And also we're just kind of to that part of the season. And the Thunder started Shea, man. They started Teo again, which I found kind of interesting after his game last night. Um, I know that obviously Wiggins is out, and that's probably who would get the nod. But I kind of thought maybe they'd play Poku um, in that lineup, which would just be crazy. Poku, Bays, and Sar. And we did see that some. We did see that lineup. Um, but Teo ended up getting the nod again in the starting lineup. And we'll get into that some. And like I mentioned, second night of a back-to-back. So um, it was very surprising, I guess. We'll, we'll just go ahead and do a game breakdown before we jump to some overall themes. It was very surprising that the Thunder come out the first quarter and just are scorch earth going toe-to-toe uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. And both teams just on fire from outside. Scary Terry started out hot. Mello got it going some. Um, Baisley started out hot for the Thunder again after his 29th. 29 point performance uh, the night before uh, 30 combined points in the first four minutes between OKC and Charlotte um, Poku and Roby were the first subs, but we didn't see a lot of Roby tonight. He just didn't have a big impact and also just didn't get a ton of playing time, which again, I think maybe uh, that combined with the fact that we didn't see a lot of Roby early on the season until some of these injuries and things started happening. Maybe it's a little telling. So just keep an eye on that throughout the rest of the season. Um, one play that really stood out in the first quarter was Baisley um, had an alley oop from Shea, and, and we'll get into that later. But Shea basically basically uh, dribbled to the I guess it'd be the left wing, saw Bays cutting baseline uh, on the, the the right side of the baseline, right side of the basket. Bays cuts uh, just wide open. Shea throws a perfect pass for a monster alley oop. That was a ton of fun, and our guy Jacob Niffin was actually right there um, behind the baseline, or not behind the base, baseline, I guess, but. Um, it was facing the baseline where Shea had that, or uh, Baisley had that awesome alley oop. So uh, that was pretty cool. He sent me a picture. Um, Krejci was just, he had a three at the buzzer that was just off. He had a really good night. We'll get into, um, but had a chance to have a buzzer beater that would have given the Thunder forty three points. Instead, they end up with forty one points in the first quarter. Lead a, led the Charlotte Hornets forty one and twenty nine. Bays had ten points. Shea had eleven points. Trey had nine points, two rebounds, four assists. Pretty impressive. The Thunder score a season-high 41 points in the first quarter on 61.5% from the floor. It also tied a season-high for points in a quarter for OKC, which is uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> like I said, off to a very hot start. Second quarter, not quite as hot, but uh, the, the trend still continued to an extent. Um, There's a really nice setup on a three for uh, for Crutchy from Poku. We saw some playmaking Poku in the second quarter, and that would continue into the second half, which we'll talk a little bit about. I thought it was great. Uh, Poku drives basically down um, the middle of the lane and is able to kick out to Crutchy. Just really good playmaking, and just kind of something that just makes your eyes pop from when you see a seven foot two player doing that. Um, So I just thought that was a a really good example of Poku's playmaking and how they're relying on that more with some of these guards out for OKC, these these, uh, backup point guards, especially when they're um, playing two of them, and Trey Mann, who's a combo guard, obviously, and Shea is as well, but Shea and and Trey Mann together, um, it's cool to see them relying on Poku's home for that playmaking. Uh, There's a lot of bench minutes in the second quarter, that kind of led to a lack of defense, obviously, as well as Isaiah Thomas. Really, really cool to see him uh, getting a 10-day with the Hornets. He comes in, had just a little explosion in the second quarter for, I believe, 12 points. Um, and it, it it was cool to see him do that. But obviously, um, I think a lot of that was due to some of the competition he was playing against. The defense was not up to speed there in the second quarter. And that allowed the Hornets to kind of get back into the game uh, pretty quickly. Um, oh, and then at that point, Dagnall goes, goes ahead and, and subs back in his three quote unquote starters and Baisley, uh, or, or three, I guess, players who have been with the team, um, and, and not the blue have been with the Thunder the longest this season and Trey Mann, um, Shea 
and Baze, and then plays Poku and um, Teo with them as well. So Poku and Baze are the two bigs there, is what I'm getting at. And it was uh, almost as soon as I tweeted it out from the account, Poku immediately lobs and alley up to Baisley. So a, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so at the end of the half, kind of crazy. Um, I, I sarcastically tweeted out that, as expected, two of the best offenses in the league going toe-to-toe um, as the Hornets lead 65-64 to at the halftime. Baisley had 17 points, um, 7 11 Poku had 10 points, a really good first half from Poku, and Trey still had that 9 points, but overall had a, a pretty good first half thunder shot 51% from the floor 39% from three and the Hornets shot 48.9% from the floor 57.9% from three and that would just continue for the Hornets into the second half um, the th- Hornets went on 10 to run to start the third quarter um, Shea hit back-to-back threes which is really nice to see because um, he had a step back he wasn't getting any of it, any of his three-point shots to fall early it's a step back and then a catch and shoot three right after um, Lamella then caught fire I think he had like three straight three-pointers just was unconscious, looked like Steph out there for that stretch. And that essentially just kind of escalated um, the, um, or it, it just kind of uh, sped up, I guess, the um, the Hornets. Um, it, it, basically, the Hornets, didn't, sorry, got a little distracted there. I thought I heard something in the background. Um, at that point, the Hornets just really didn't look back. It, and it was it, it kind, of, kind of, I think that um, that LaMelo explosion there in the third, that kind of initiated that. Uh, and unfortunately, the Thunder just weren't able to keep up offensively, nor were they able to step up defensively and get stops. Um, but Shea hit the 30-point mark uh, for the, let's see, um, it, it, he scored at least 29 points in nine of his last 10 games and is averaging over 28 points on over 50% from the floor since January 11th. That's from Nick Gallo. I had a, another similar stat uh, later on in here that I thought was here. Um, but regardless, Shea with another 30-point game had 30 points uh, through three quarters also. This is kind of a wild stat. Charlotte had 99 points with three minutes and 20 seconds left in the third on 60% from three, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, the Thunder made a little push in the third quarter. Charlotte led 102 to 91 after three, after Trey Mann hit a buzzer beater, but essentially um, it didn't really matter. Fourth quarter, like I said, the Hornets didn't really look back. Um, just some notes I have in the fourth that happened. There was a uh, career, Vic Krejci um, hit a career high 12 points on four of six from three. Um, first back-to-back 20-plus point games for Baisley. We're going to get into both of those uh, here in a little bit. And ultimately, Thunder up, ended up losing 134 to 116 as uh, both teams kind of cleared their bench. It was kind of interesting. Uh, maybe just a, a I'm looking for, for things here uh, after the loss, but it was interesting to see Booknight not really play. And then all of a sudden see him there um, at the end of the game, kind of getting some garbage time minutes wearing the number six, which is funny because, you know, it, there was so much talk about the Thunder taking him with pick six. And uh, I would say we're probably better off <laughs> for taking Giddy and not taking Book Knight there. Just some, some inter, just interesting, something I noticed there at the end of the game. That is not why Book Knight wears number six. It was just, you know, things resonating in my mind. Um, Made me thankful for, for Presti, thankful for Josh. Excited to see him back on the floor, hopefully before the end, end of the season, uh, but also, you know, just really uh, reinforced to me trusting in Presti with this upcoming draft. Um, and, and yeah, so I thought that was just something interesting. Shea ends up with 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Baisley, 25 points, four rebounds, four assists. Poku had 17 points, five rebounds, five assists, six turnovers. <laughs> We'll get into that. Trey had 13 points, and Krejci, like I said, a career-high 12 points tonight. So all that to say, um, it was a very fun first half. 
there were some fun parts in the third quarter and the fourth quarter just kind of all went to pieces, kind of a tale of two halves for OKC. Um, but regardless, it was still a fun one to break down because I, I think there's a lot of uh, fun themes that we can mention here. So like I'm for all of you who have listened before um, and I haven't done a post game in a while. So the easiest and just kind of the way I like to break down down games is positives and negatives, especially when I'm on my own. Um, and we always start with the negatives and on the positives. And again, maybe I'm just like a sunshine pumper, but I do think there were more positives in this game than the negatives. Now tonight, I even, I have negatives in quotation marks because nothing is really a negative in my opinion at this point of the season. Um, and like kind of what the Thunder are going for. Like a lot of this is by design. Um, for example, when you're playing the, I hate to phrase it this way, but the caliber of players you're playing um, in your bench unit at this point of the season with the injuries and, you know, um, <laughs> kind of the intentions of the Thunder <laughs> to, to end this season, the defense isn't going to be as good, for example. Um, that's just kind of how I'm viewing things. However, it is still worth mentioning that the defense was poor <laughs> and that they allowed Charlotte, who has struggled as of late, um, are finally kind of starting to get it going here again, but allowed them to just be you know, basically scorch or, or scorch earth from three and from the floor. That's just an example. However, there were some negatives to break down. The first one I have here is Teo, just not really great. Um, in that starting lineup, six points, seven rebounds, four assists. He filled up the staff sheet, stat sheet, but two of nine from the floor, oh, four from three. Um, had, well, I guess with Trey Mann, that's kind of surprising. They each had, uh, Trey Mann had 29 minutes, Teo uh, 30 minutes, but there were times where Teo was just like a glaring weakness on the floor, especially offensively. Not so much defensively. Tails a pretty sound defender. We've talked about that all the way back to last season, his rookie year. But there was times where the ball would swing to Teo. Um, he's wide open for a three-point shot. He hesitates. Then he shoots. You know, he, it's not going in. Or maybe Teo decides to drive and then try to kick out to somebody. The pass isn't there. It gets stolen. Uh, speaking of that, oh, Teo only had two turnovers, which honestly wasn't bad compared to some of the guys on the team tonight. Um, again, I, I know the guys talked about this on the uh, group podcast on Sunday. I don't think Teo has looked great after initially coming uh, back into the lineup here about a month ago. Um, he was playing with much more confidence, much more poise, and it's almost like he's trying to do that still, but just can't get that shot to fall, isn't making the correct decisions like we've seen from him in the past. He's almost forcing a little bit with more players out and without the the help and uh, more elite talent around him. We're really seeing, really seeing Teo struggle. So I have him as my first negative. Um, I know we've been talking about this in our uncontested Slack. Really depending on what happens in the draft, how many players they end up, uh, the Thunder end up taking in this upcoming draft, uh, as well as whatever else happens in the offseason. It kind of wouldn't be surprising if Teo is a guy that's like moved for next to nothing or um, cut. And I know that sounds rough. You know, there's also the chance that the Thunder still really believe in them and want to give him a lot of blue minutes, you know, early next season, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Teo is certainly a candidate as we move into this latter part of the season to continue to watch because he could be cut, I think, um, come this offseason if he's not able to contribute a little more, especially given the uh, increased role uh, in the starting lineup these past two games. Now, my next one I have here. It's not Trey Mann specifically, because I thought Trey Mann had pretty good. Uh, he at least impacted the game at a high level again tonight. But I have his shooting. Um, and what I mean by that, obviously tonight's game, he shot 4 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3. Um, 3 of 6 from 3 is pretty great. I actually was kind of surprised when I saw that number, because A, I didn't think he shot 6 three-point attempts and didn't feel like that. And B, I didn't think he made 3 of them, half of them. Um, 
but that 412 number certainly <laughs> seemed correct. Obviously, only hitting one other shot um, that wasn't a three pointer, and and he, you could tell it was kind of frustrating him a little bit. Um, and I went ahead and looked at his past five games. Obviously, that's a small sample size, but um, that's kind of at least in my mind is when Trey's kind of cooled off from his, his quote unquote hot shooting. I know his stats aren't great as a whole in the season, his shooting splits. Um, but he went through a stretch there where he was hitting those shots. Right. And, uh, it feels like these last five games he's cooled off. So he's shooting only 31% from the floor on 13 field goal attempts and 20 per game and 26.9% from three on 6.5 attempts per game. Like I said, in his last five, that is not great. <laughs> so I have his shooting as a negative, but I'm going to spin this into a bit of a positive because, because I thought friend of the, the podcast and uh, as SI Thunder editor and, and uh, co-site uh, leader, whatever they call it over there, <laughs> Derek Parker, really good good dude. And I, I thought he had a really good point on Trey. Um, he mentioned that Trey still had um, six rebounds. Uh, yeah, is that right? Six, sorry, five rebounds and six assists. I had those flip-flopped and a steal. And so Trey's ability to impact the game without the ball is very promising this early. And I agree with this next part that Derek mentioned um, when he says that his shot will start, you know, we aren't worried about his shot long-term. We know he can get that thing going. We know he can stay hot from outside or eat, shoot, not just on the floor in general. We're not worried about that shot. The fact that he's able to impact the game um, even without the ball in his hands is really, really important. Um, he's able to compete de- defensively and is continuing to try on that end as we talked a lot about and Dignall's talked a lot about over the season and obviously still being able to impact the game on the other end of the floor when the shot's not falling is really promising and exciting. Uh, again, especially when he's not really playing uh, with the guys he will be playing with, like, for example, Lou Dort and Giddy being out, um, so and Kendrick being out, all these different guys being out. I think it's going to look a lot different for Trey Mann. Um, a, when his shot is falling again, which it will, and B, when he's playing along those caliber of players. So his shooting may be a negative for tonight, uh, but long-term, not worried about it. Just something worth mentioning. The next negative I have, the Thunder had 18 turnovers. Uh, that led to 27 points off turnovers for Charlotte. Obviously, that right there will lead to uh, the, the large lead that the Hornets had. Nine of those came from the bench, which, which means that the other nine came from the starters, which isn't great. And six of those came from Poku alone. Also not great. We'll, we'll get into that, uh, break the Poku part down a little more here later on. Um, but just something to monitor. Obviously, again, some of that is due to the caliber of player, the, the experience uh, of, of some of these players that are getting burned right now, right? And I think they'll get more comfortable t- as time goes along. Um, and some of these other players that were injured that typically would play, you're not going to see as many turnovers, but still... Um, that's something that you don't want to make a habit of. <laughs> and I know Dignall um, and, and this franchise will, will make sure that that doesn't be, become a habit for this team. But regardless, just something to kind of monitor, like I said, as we enter this final stretch of the season. And then my final negative, the Thunder defense, as I mentioned, I use that as, as an example for why I put negatives in quotations. But it's worth mentioning tonight as they continue to struggle, allowing Charlotte, like I said, allowed Charlotte to shoot 53 points up from the floor and 57 from three and I, I i do think that's more so a product of the players um, that okc is currently playing here down the stretch but it would be nice to see guys like shea step up a little bit more and uh, we've seen basley step up obviously with lou out uh, with kenrich out we're seeing basley being the guy to get the assignments on some of the, the league's best players for example i thought he did a pretty solid job overall on john morant john morant last night um 
But Shea has struggled again. Uh, we've seen how, it, it, I shouldn't say how efficient, but have we, we've seen um, the level of defender that Shea can be when he's locked in and, and when he's playing alongside some of those guys. For example, Dagnall credited his defense for being why um, Trey Mann and Josh Giddy can play alongside Shea on the defensive end, and they have a little more wiggle room because Shea's been better defensively this season. But we've also seen times like last night, tonight. Um, I know Sam Vecini mentioned this on one of his recent pods when he just was praising Shea tremendously, saying he could be like a top 10, 15 player, but he mentioned his defense, right? And uh, there's a lot of times where Shea will take possessions off. Um, there's all, It just gets caught standing. Um, and, and some of that can be contributed to, like he kind of knows the position the Thunder are currently in. Um, he knows the, the kind of guys he's playing alongside it with. He's trying to conserve himself for offense because he knows he doesn't have quite as much help right now with these injuries. But still, it would be nice to see Shea be a little more engaged defensively in the team as a whole. Uh, obviously, after being a top 10, top, yeah, top 10 defense here uh, for a l- large part of the season, that's kind of taken a complete nosedive. I don't have those stats in front of me right now, but a complete nosedive um, really since some of these injuries occurred. Uh, some of these guys missing out long term, like Giddy, um, like Lou Dort, like Aaron Wiggins. So hopefully that will improve just a little bit. <laughs> we don't want it to improve too much until all these guys come back fully healthy at the beginning of next season. Um, but when Wiggins comes back, that will probably help, you know, and, and if Giddy comes back, I think that will help as well. Um, so that's just the last negative I have here. Like I said, we always start with the negatives, always end on a positive note. But before we do that, just a quick word from some of our sponsors, as well as a special message from us here at the uncontested. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Um, major shout out to our guys for putting together that um, uncontested merch commercial there. Really cool stuff. Jacob had that idea. Um, he's kind of the creative one. <laughs> he came up with that. We love the idea. Him and other Jacob, JD, they ran with it. Um, and then obviously our guy Justin coming up with those awesome shirt designs, both past and the new ones that we have. It's just really, really cool stuff. Um, so appreciate them putting that together. Also, the Jacobs always seem to come up with like the best um, instrumentals, <laughs> like all of our uh, post games intros and outros, our um, our group podcasts intros and outros. Now this one, like I listened to this, they they sent it in our Slack that we have here um, yesterday before we premiered it on the group podcast, and it was stuck in my head like even into today. <laughs> So really good stuff. Uh, be sure to go and check out our merch as well as uh, our other sponsors that played there as well. Now, like I said, transitioning into some pauses before we get out of here. Vic Krejci, a pretty solid game from him tonight. Career high 12 points with a little more opportunity. Uh, four of six from three. I, I, I thought Vit had a, a very solid game, especially... Um, with the minutes that he had, uh, I, I think the thing that sticks out to me the most and continue to watch him is his confidence shooting the ball on, and his hustle on both ends of the floor. He's not necessarily a great defender yet, um, but he put, he, he's always hustling for the ball. He's, he's diving for loose balls. Um, and on the offensive end, I think what I'm getting at there when I mean his hustle uh, and his play, he's constantly moving off ball, which is very important. I think for the role that he could potentially play for this team and the role that he is playing right now, He's moving really well off ball. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a, a specific possession there that I want to say was like his third three-pointer of the game. Uh, maybe it was his last one where I think he actually like, I want to say he shot it, shot the ball initially on the possession. Uh, somebody got a rebound. One of the guards, like Trey Mann or somebody penetrated. And all of a sudden you see um, Krejci come across the from the top of the key uh, down to the wing. Uh, the guard is able to kick out, or whoever it was, maybe it was Poku, was able to kick out to Vit for a wide open three that he drills this time around. And so it's just stuff like that. That's really impressive. And I think that was kind of, obviously he can handle the ball. I love that he can push in transition. That's again, a theme that we see with some of these players that Presti is bringing in. 
um, to this team. And I think that will continue when we're looking at draft prospects for this upcoming draft. So keep that in mind. Um, but I thought Dagnall kind of nailed it post game. And I'm going to mention a lot of his post game uh, comments and these pauses, because again, I thought they were pretty spot on. He mentioned that has a pretty complete offensive game, which I think is fair. I think what he, he means by that is he has um, a lot of skills offensively. Like I said, he can dribble and handle the ball. Uh, we've seen him be a point guard over, overseas, for example. He can get a rebound. He, he can rebound. He can get a rebound and then push the ball in transition. Um, he can find other teammates. And obviously, he's a pretty solid shooter. Um, but Dave not mentioning he needs to continue. I, I believe the phrase he used was chip away at defensive fundamentals. And how many times have we seen him say something similar about some of these young guys on this team. Obviously, Trey Mann being the biggest one, the most memorable one that led to the whole Broccoli Skittles comparison. Um, But he's using that, him being Dignall, using that once again with Krejci. So we will see. Um, I, 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 you know, it's kind of a pivotal time. I I know Mark mentioned this being a pivotal time for a lot of Thunder players on this, uh, this current squad with these injuries and also this transition period that the Thunder find themselves in uh, trying to, uh, better their draft odds here down the stretch. Yes, I'm talking about the tank. Um, and Dignall had a quote here over the weekend, I believe, where he mentioned, you know, how important, or maybe it was pregame, how he mentioned, he mentioned how important it is and how he realizes how important it is for some of these guys to get this. Burn. So it is critical for somebody like Vit, uh, Vit to be able to um, take advantage of these minutes. And it was really cool to see what he's able to do tonight. And, uh, you know, call me, I mentioned this in our, our Slack. Um, I am curious you know, to kind of follow him the rest of the season because it seems like out of some of these guys, he's one that really could potentially stick around. There's a lot to be excited about with him, uh, especially as he's just not coming back from injury and so many other things, a lot of fun flashes. So continuing to keep an eye on Vit. Speaking of fun flashes, Poku. <laughs> Another really solid game from Poku. Uh, with this typical bad mixed in, I mentioned the turnovers earlier, right? That's primarily the turnovers tonight. But I think at this point, you you take the good with the bad as he continues to improve and gain confidence at this point of the season. Um, they don't mention how they played him in the second half. Some I uh, played, sorry, played through him in the second half. Some, and I mentioned that earlier, um, how he was good on the, the defensive end of the floor and that Dignall has been impressed when Poku is playing at the five recently, which is really, really interesting. Um, just kind of taking into some of the context uh, from those comments, it sounds like the Thunder will continue to explore playing Poku at the five. You know, um, I, I was thinking when he plays, when Dagnall plays Poku um, in that lineup uh, with Baisley being the other big, that Poku was kind of considered the four, but apparently not necessarily. Obviously, the offense and the offensive style they're, they're running um, is positionless. Uh, and especially in terms of the big, if they aren't playing a true big, uh, but on the defensive end, it seems like Dana is really referring to Poku as the five. And I think that's fascinating to watch. Uh, like I said, as we, uh, to see more and more of that down the stretch and how they use Poku, uh, really, really interesting. Poku even mentioned in his post game that he feels stronger, uh, that he's been trying to find more efficient shots recently, and that he's trying to get energy from defense to translate into offense and those are all signs, in my opinion, that he's gaining confidence. And that's exactly what Dignall wants to see from him. That's why Dignall's trusting him more. That's why Poku's getting more of these minutes. And, again, we mentioned this with, with Baisley, um, but that's why Poku's been more consistent, uh, playing within the flow of the game as well as the offense and, and the defense as well. Um, so, in the end, Poku's looking like a real NBA rotation player. I know our guys have been talking about that over the past couple of uh, podcasts that we've done. Um, and it, I, I think some of the Thunder's best lineups during this stretch, during this stretch of the season with these injuries, like I mentioned, and uh, not having a full roster, their best lineups consist of Poku being in them. He's one of the best players uh, available for the Thunder to play at this time. And that, 
as maybe as sad as that sounds, <laughs> that really is a, a true positive in Poku's development. And I've been very excited about what we've seen from him. But speaking on somebody else, their development, somebody I was down on throughout the season and into last season, um, consistency, I alluded to him here a little bit ago, Darius Baisley. We got good Bays again is what I have here in my notes. He scored another 25 points on 10 of 18 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3, all this after scoring um, 29 points last night, a career high for Baisley. These are back on the second half of back-to-back. He scored his second highest scoring game of the season, um, has 54 points. This is from our guy, Crane NBA, at, uh, at Crane NBA, Nick Crane. Baisley obviously 54 points in the last two games, but on 55.3% from the floor and 43.8 from three. And instead of doing my own analysis here on that, I think Dagnall and even Bays himself really summed this up, this up really well in their post games. Dagnall mentioned how Bays has simplified and narrowed his game to play within the offense and how that in return has allowed his versatility to shine. I think the term he actually used was bubble up to the surface. And I found that interesting. Um, instead of just letting a guy loose um, to show his versatility, like Bays was trying to do, honestly, earlier in the season, when we were also down on him, um, when we were frustrated with him, and we still see some of those flashes here, uh, even with Bays currently. But I thought it was fascinating how, and obviously this is something that Dignall and the coach staff have been preaching to a guy like Baisley and probably Poku as well, play within the offense, let the game come to you, and that's when your strengths are going to show themselves. And I thought that was just very, very wise and just shows uh, how great of a coach Dignall is um, and, and kind of has, it puts into words what I think we've been trying to say on the podcast for so long when it comes to Baisley. Um, speaking of Baisley, his quote, he mentioned just trying to, when asked about maybe the difference and what he's, uh, what he's seeing himself, that an increase in confidence in these past two games, uh, he says he's just trying to keep it simple, make quick decisions, and whatever decision I make, just do it with confidence. And that is just like spot on from what we've been wanting to see from Baisley. Um, like we've been talking about that all season on this podcast. You see it on Thunder Twitter. That is key for Baisley's development long term. Um, speaking of confidence, maybe my favorite play of the game, and I mentioned this earlier, is where SJA threw that alley oop um, from one side of the wing to the opposite side of the rim to a Baisley flying and cutting baseline for an oop. And I mentioned that this was right in front of our guy, Jacob, um, who was at the game. And he told me that Baisley actually called for the oop in advance, which I wasn't able to see on the TV. And uh, not just that, but the confidence shooting on his open threes as well. Um, not nearly as much hesitation. He's taking those threes in rhythm, catch and shoot. He's not trying to jab step and, you know, then like do a spin move and drive to the basket when there's no lane there. Just letting the game come to him, playing within the flow of the offense, and obviously continuing to play really well defensively. Like I said, when he's been uh, matched up, given the assignment of the toughest uh, player um, on the other team with guys like Lou and Kendrick out. So just really, really fun stuff from Baisley. Like I said, there's things we've harped on all season for him, um, as well as just doing these things consistently. And what we're seeing, we are seeing this pay off. And I think Baisley is going to end up getting an extension from Preston and OKC because of it. Uh, I know Nick was tweeting about that as uh, tonight as well. And I, I think this stretch combined with his overall stretch from the all-star break, it's been up and down some, or sorry, not the all-star break, um, the second half of the season. Um, since the all-star break, you know, after the all-star break, he, he was a little slow getting going. But then seeing him have another stretch like this, uh, a lot of promising stuff from Baisley. I think he will end up being rewarded um, accordingly. Now, my final, <laughs> my final one here, my final uh, positive is none other than Shea Gildas Alexander. I mean, there's just 
only so much you can say about Shea at this point. He's just been phenomenal. He continues to shine with limited personnel around him, and there's truly no one that can stop him driving to the rim. I tweeted from the account tonight, uh, show me a man who says uh, who, who says that he can guard Shea Gilles Alexander, and I'll show you a liar, <laughs> because truly no one can stop him when he's driving. 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 12 of 20 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Um, continued high scoring, that's also very efficient. Uh, it is a thing that we've seen from Shea since coming back from that injury post-All-Star break. He scored at least 29 points in nine of his last 10 games. I think I, I said this stat earlier, um, and is averaging over 28 points on over 50% shooting since January 11th. Um, obviously, he had that one off night against uh, the Timberwolves. Shout out Cap, by the way, who just had a ridiculous night. A uh, season high in scoring for the NBA, uh, 60 points, I believe, 60 or 61 um, so obviously Shea had that off night and then he had uh, 29 points instead of 30 one of those nights after the all-star break, <laughs> but he's just been on an absolute tear uh, tonight was Shea's 18th to that point tonight was Shea's 18th 30 point game of the season, the most of his career in a season. And since the all-star break, he has now, uh, he now has more 30 point games, eight, um, than Tatum or Luca, which is just kind of wild, especially considering some of those uh, just huge scoring games that Tatum and Luca have had post All Star break. So, the one thing that uh, just continues to like kind of uh, present itself to me as I'm watching Shea here through the stretch of the season, and again with uh, not his full team around him, and something that's kind of funny, Jacob Kamir and I all kind of were talking about at the same time, brought it up at the same time um, in our, our group chat. Um, we were talking about Shea hesitating early when he is given an open three. You know, teams are obviously sagging off of, of him and packing the paint for obvious reasons. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast as well. I mean, literally, there was a play where Shea was double teamed. He's able to split the double team, and he, go, he he's driving into the lane, and he has the other three defenders staying in the lane instead of guarding the other his other teammates because they're trying to stop Shea at the rim. Like, just absurd. That's just an, a specific example that was in the second half. Uh, but instead of letting it fly from three when Shea uh, has an open space, he, especially in the first half, he was either putting the ball on the floor and, and trying to drive into those defenders, which, again, he's so stinking good. He scores anyways, often in those situations. Um, or he would dribble first before firing, firing an unnecessary step back three. Um, now, he eventually drilled two straight threes in the second half, like I said, in that third quarter, kind of going blow for blow with Mello. Um, uh, love Mello. <laughs> And uh, one of those was a no hesitation catch and shoot that looked great. And then he had another catch and shoot three later on in the quarter. Um, and I found it interesting because Daniel actually mentioned those post game as well. It kind of gave praise to those. And um, he also, Daniel also mentioned Shea continuing to attack and create for others, which I think is important. And it really is just, you know, amazing what Shea is doing right now, how he's not forcing it, still scoring 30 a night. Um, he could have easily had 40 probably if he's just letting it fly, but he wasn't, like I said, 20 shots, super efficient, 12 of 20. Um, so I'm just excited to see him next season with more talent around him and excited to see how he, even how he finishes this, this season and continues to play. Uh, I never, I guess never really finished my, my thoughts on the three point shooting, uh, just kind of to tie a bow on that. Uh, I think what I'm getting at there is just, I would like to see him, um, he has a good looking catch and shoot three. I'd like to see him be more comfortable with it on the floor instead of going to that, you know, patented uh, step back three, which he hasn't really been making very many of uh, as a whole this season, or instead of him trying to drive to the lane, which we know he can do so well when he's open on the three point line and the ball swings back around to him and he's open. 
if he can start to knock down or at least even take that catch and, and, and shoot three more and eventually start knocking those down more often. I mean, like, again, to Sam Vecini's point in the podcast that he had here last week that I just, just now got to catch up on here um, today, uh, you're looking at a top 10, 15 player. And, you know, that's critical for him. So all in all, another good game for the Tank with continued improvement. It promises some of the Thunder's young key players. Uh, the Cavs beat the Clippers in overtime, which was good uh, for the Tank. Um, that was really the only other major game tonight affecting the Tank. So next up, Thunder Spurs on Wednesday, Thunder at Heat on Friday, and Thunder at Magic on Sunday. Thank you guys again for tuning in, and until next time, Thunder up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.